0: Good morning, uh, this morning I'm reminded of a joke from the Babylon Bee, if you're not on the Babylon Bee you should be on the Babylon Bee, but it was talking about the praise and worship experience and the sermon experience and they said basically we had a great time until this guy stood up and talked for 20 minutes, it was a total buzzkill. So I hope that this morning we don't have a buzzkill today, but rather I am excited about the opportunity we have to look at, at something um, that is, I believe it's very simple, and yet very central to um, our faith, and it's very central to the New Testament and, as, and also to the Old Testament. We're gonna continue uh, the series in Romans. So um, two weeks ago, Joe preached ab- uh, from the first half of Romans 13. He talked about uh, our response to civil government, and um, he called that a higher authority. Uh, we could title today's message a higher law, if you will, or a subtitle could be, Love Fulfills the Law. So let's uh, start reading in Romans 13, uh, starting in verse 8. Romans 13, 8, ESV. Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments... You shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Verse 11, besides this you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep, and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Shall we pray? Father God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the opportunity we have to look into your word together. I pray that you would help us not to say anything that would be contrary to your will and to your word, and that you would help us to block out the distractions of the week behind us and the week ahead of us, and to focus on what you're trying to tell us this morning. In Jesus' name. So, I have four things we'd like to do today. I'd like to show you that the law of love or love your neighbor is central to the Old Testament and the New Testament scripture. We'd like to describe or define what the law of love is. We'd like to look at one or two barriers to putting it into practice. And I'd like to finally look at a short time looking at a new era of putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. Or what does it mean to put on the Lord Jesus Christ? So let's jump right in, in verse 8, where it says, Owe no one anything. Hmm, if taken out of just by itself, you might take that to mean that you shouldn't, Christians shouldn't borrow any money. However, I think if you look carefully at the context here, if you look back actually at Romans 13, verse 6 and 7, it talks about paying taxes. Verse 7 says, Pay to all what is owed them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, and honor to whom honor. And then it transitions into, Owe no one anything except to love one another. So I think he's tying together two different, but yet related topics, the first half of Romans 13 and the second half of Romans 13. It's contextually a transition statement. The NIV says, let no debt remain outstanding. So for me, I would interpret that as don't hold back what is rightfully due to another person, whether that's money, whether that's love, whether that's honor, respect, whether it's tax burden. Okay, then it moves on and... It says, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. And in verse 10, it says, love is the fulfilling of the law. It says, to love your neighbor as yourself. And this is not the only time in the Bible that this is mentioned. I think you you all know your Bibles well enough to know that this shows up a lot of different other places as well. Uh, One of the early times when it shows up is through Moses in the Mosaic Law um leviticus 19 leviticus chapter 19 verse 18 if you want to turn to it you can i'm just going to give you a brief overview of that um god is talking about civil laws in this situation he was talking about how the children of israel should get along with each other um and and he made a few comments he talked about giving to the poor allowing gleaning he talked about do not steal do not oppress the poor avoid injustice avoid slander In the last verse, it basically says, do not take vengeance or do not take revenge, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself, I am the Lord. It's mic drop time. God says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, I am the Lord, pay attention. This is an important statement here. So that was from Moses in the Mosaic Law. And then we come to Jesus in Matthew, uh, Matthew 19 Uh, verse 18 to 19, Jesus is speaking with a rich young man, a rich young ruler, some would call him, and he asks how to have eternal life. Jesus said to keep the commandments, and the ruler replies, well, which ones? And Jesus responds with a list of the commandments, saying uh, avoiding murder, uh, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, and to honor your father and mother. And he ends with, the saying "Love your neighbor as yourself." It's very much a parallel scripture to what is quoted here by Paul in Romans 13, um, and another place where Jesus very explicitly uh, commands this is in Matthew 22. So I think that one is worth uh, us reading because it's it's a really a, a key part of the of the New Testament. The Pharisees uh, came to Jesus. Um, And it sounds like they had a trick question here. And I think that they were likely trying to catch Jesus being inconsistent with the law of Moses. Uh, They were trying to see if he knew the law and if he was consistent with the law. So let's go to Matthew 22. Uh, Let's start reading in verse 34. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, They gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. I've been told that if a lawyer asks you, that a good lawyer never asks a question that he doesn't already know the answer to. So you know this is a trick question. So the lawyer asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great commandment and first commandment and the second is like it you shall love your neighbor as yourself on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets so in other words all the commandments that god gave to moses and everything that the prophets were trying to get the children of israel to understand could basically be summed up in these two priorities the priority to love god and to love your neighbor as yourself. So, what does it say on our bulletins? What does it say up front? What is the first two statements in our purpose for Christian Life Mennonite Church? Is love God, love people, and make disciples. Those first two statements come directly out of, of Christ's teaching in Matthew 22 and, and other parts of the of the Bible. So essentially the essence of what the New Testament message is to love God and then to love people as yourselves. Um, So we're reading in Romans. They're obviously written by Paul. Paul also uh, says this again in the letter to the Galatians. Galatians 5 verse 13 and 14. And I'll just read it for you. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh but through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word: "You shall love your neighbor as yourself." So, I think you can see from the multiplicity of times that this is quoted in the Bible. This is a central uh, theme. This is something that God wants us to understand. Uh, it's it's an important point for Him. So let's try to understand what the law of love is, try to define or describe it. And this is a, this is a big job, um, but let's try to take these words apart and see if we can understand in a practical standpoint what this means uh, to us today. First of all, the law of love, or loving your neighbor as yourself, supersedes religious law, religious rules, and it also supersedes civil rule. You've heard of people saying that someone thinks that they are above the law, they don't have to listen to the law. This is a different kind of above the law. This is living in a plane where our actions and our decisions are so much above the minimum standard of the law or the minimum standard of of the rules uh, that you might find yourself under in various uh, social environments. James 2 calls loving your neighbor as yourself the royal law according to the scripture. So, first of all, let's, let's take this apart as what is love? Now, we could spend a long time talking about the, the four different definitions of love, and you may have heard those from time to time, and I don't really necessarily want to go into that today. But I think for purposes of today's discussion, we should define love as wishing, wanting, or working for, the good of another. Wanting, love is wanting the best for someone else, for purposes of our discussion today in, in, in light of this context here. So who is my neighbor? So fortunately, the Bible has a good answer for us too about who is my neighbor. And probably many of you are thinking, appropriately I would add, about the Good Samaritan because the good samaritan asked that very the, the good samaritan was a parable that was prompted by this very question. The context was again a lawyer asking a question that he probably knew the answer to. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, "What's written in the law?" And the lawyer says, "You shall love the Lord your God," and it goes on through the commandments and your neighbor as yourself. And the lawyer says, trying to justify himself. This is from Luke 10. Trying to justify myself himself says, who is my neighbor? And I think you all probably know the story pretty well about the Good Samaritan. Uh, it involves a priest, a Levite, and a, a Samaritan, someone who was looked down upon. He was from a slightly different cultural and religious background, um, and how they responded to a person in need. And without going through the whole uh, passage, I think we need to remember that Our neighbor is someone that we come in contact with. It could be a lot of contact. It could be close contact. It may not be very often. It may be distant contact or just infrequent contact. It might be people that you don't like very much. People that are not naturally lovable. People that are harsh or people that are are, mean and dirty or people that are from different religious or cultural backgrounds Um, but they're still our neighbor according to the Good Samaritan principle the law of love is based on importantly doing what is right for my fellow persons for my fellow man for my fellow persons and it is far more than a prohibited list of things that you can't do But it's a living reality where we hold every decision and every action to the light of these two questions from Matthew 22. Number one, am I loving the Lord with all my heart, my soul, and my mind? In other words, is this decision that I'm about to make, is this action that I'm about to do, is this going to bring honor to him, or is it going to bring me in a better relationship with him? That's question number one. Question number two is, am I loving my neighbor as myself? Is this action going to show love to my neighbor? Is it going to be good for my neighbor? And we can define good in a lot of different ways. It can be physical good. It can be not stealing from them. It can be giving things. Uh, it can be giving comfort. It can be emotional good, which would be affection, comfort, um, various different emotional goods and it could also be spiritual good so we have multiple levels of good that we can do to other people now spiritual good is things that would benefit the person's spirit long term and ultimately we would think that ultimately that has to do with their relationship with jesus christ and their relationship with god Um, and we can think of short-term benefits intermediate or long-term benefits and we can talk about eternal benefits to other people so if you think about physical emotional and spiritual benefits in terms of short-term intermediate and eternal benefits then we start to realize that the highest love or the highest love that we can show to another person is to show interest in their spiritual well-being long-term right if we can do something that ministers to their spirit and helps them to understand who God really is and God's love for them and that they can come into relationship with them, that is ultimately the best good that we can do for another person. So, when I love my neighbor as myself, does it not mean that I want my neighbor to have that relationship with Jesus Christ that I'm experiencing in my life right now? Because sometimes, maybe my life isn't that great, maybe my relationship with Christ isn't that great, it's nothing to brag about. But if we truly are loving God with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind, and we have the relationship right with Him, and we love the people around us, we want them to have that same relationship with Him. And so ultimately, I think the ultimate love for neighbor is a spirit. is a a concern for their spiritual health long term eternally and I think those of us who are parents understand that you know we see our children we love our children we want them to make good decisions we want them to do the right thing for their good long term yes we want their physical health we want their emotional health but as Christian parents the thing that you want more than anything else is that they have a relationship with Jesus Christ so Sometimes it takes tough love, to be honest, to tell people things that they don't want to hear, to tell people that you're making a bad decision perhaps, but if we love them, are we willing to tell them, I think you're making a bad decision? Think about it another way. The world that we live in, it's not popular to speak the truth sometimes. The truth is sometimes um, not politically correct but remembering to speak the truth in love. So if we do this, if this is our ethos, that we have, we're loving Christ first and we're loving our neighbor as ourselves, then the question of, am I going to get in trouble about this? Does it matter? Does it matter who sees us or doesn't see us? Some Some things that we do, some of the decisions that we make on a daily basis don't make a difference in the long term. I admit, there's lots of small decisions that maybe they don't make a decision, but I would, I would challenge us today and this coming week that each decision that we make to be aware, to be open to the Spirit of God, to understand, could this decision have long-term implications, both for me or for other people? So, point three is, let's look at some potential barriers to fulfilling the law through love. And, and that is, the Bible the, the saying here, we should love your neighbor as yourself. And that as yourself could be a little bit of a problematic word for us, I think. And I think Paul is assuming here that we all have an instinct of self-preservation and that we're going to do what's right for ourselves. It's a reasonable assumption. But there's a couple things that can be barriers here. And one of them is selfishness. Probably the biggest barrier to loving others as you love yourself is selfishness, and I admit I'm selfish. We're all selfish. Um, I get frustrated when my needs are not met, or my needs are not, or my wants are not even considered in a in a situation. And it's easier for me to become angry or to become selfish about things. Oxford Dictionary says that selfishness is lacking consideration for others concerned chiefly with one's own personal profit or pleasure so basically it's saying my needs are more important than your needs and loving your neighbor as yourself it doesn't say loving him better than yourself or worse than yourself it just says as yourself so i have to assume that selfishness is a major barrier for us and the other barrier that i think is that we sometimes lose sight of how god looks at us And so I think in order to love our neighbor as ourselves, it may help us to have an understanding of how how God looks at us. And, you know, I think we have to remember that God created us uniquely in his image. He designed us for relationship with him. We are fallen because of sin. We have a sin nature. Christ died on the cross for our sins to restore that relationship uh, with him again. And that we are in a father-child relationship. So, when we're in a father-child relationship, we understand that God wants the best for us. But he wants the best for us eternally and spiritually. Not always is it going to come out as physical blessings or or emotional blessings all the time. There can be struggles, life can be hard, there can be pain, emotional, physical pain, but ultimately we are in a father-child relationship, and God wants to have relationship with us eternally. So, that's, I think those are key scriptural principles to try to help us to have a proper view of our own selves. Now, just a word here. I think that Depression is real. And there are people that have feelings of worthlessness and feelings of self and are tempted to do self-harm. And I want to be cautious here because sometimes these feelings may come on because of sins that we commit. Sometimes poor decisions that we make result in us feeling guilt and that can make a feeling of worthlessness Sometimes depression can be a form of emotional or spiritual anxiety, but I just want to be cautious here that if you have feelings of worthlessness or feelings of self-harm, please get help because this is not what God intended for you, and clinical depression is real, and it takes wise counsel, wise counselors, to understand the difference between spiritual warfare, between sin and depression. And if you're feeling those feelings, please get help. Find a good Christian counselor. Go to your small group leader. Go to your pastor. Um, find a, a, someone who understands both the spiritual and the psychological issues that may be at play here. Um, and maybe your small group leader, we, maybe we don't always know where to go, you know, how to help you, but we can at least help get, get you some help. But I just want to help us to understand that there's a difference between feelings of worthlessness that are not correctable by studying the word and by confessing our sins and um, making, making ourselves right with God. And so just, just be aware of that. Now, let's go on to the last segment, verses 11 through 14. What I would call the new era or uh, a new time, a new lifestyle, if you will, of living in, with uh, putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. So the NIV uh, starts to say this understanding the present time so in other words in light of the fallen corrupt age around us and all these verses at the beginning wake from sleep uh, may represent you know that we should wake up from a time of spiritual carelessness or laxity Um, salvation is nearer than when believed it gives a sense of urgency a time to get up Pay attention to what's going on around us and live victoriously. So no time to waste. Now is the time to love God, to love neighbors, and to live open-faced lives. You notice it says in verse 13, let's walk properly as in the daytime. There's nothing to hide. It's daylight outside. We're not sneaking around. Our actions are open to be viewed by everyone and anything so that we're, we're not hiding anything. There's no time for self-indulgent partying, drunkenness, and sexual indulgence. Interesting, it notes that it puts quarreling and jealousy in there with a bunch of other, what we would consider gross sins, but it puts quarreling and jealousy right in there with them. But the main thing that I want to focus on is to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm not sure how to explain this better than what Ray Steadman has described this. He says this, When I got up this morning, I put on my clothes. I put on my clothes with the intention that they would be part of me all day. That they would go where I go and do what I do. They will cover me and make me presentable to others. That's the purpose of clothes. In the same way, the apostle is saying to us, Put on Jesus Christ when you get up in the morning. Make him part of your life that day. Intend that he go with you everywhere you go, and that he act through you in everything you do. Call upon his resources. Live your life in Christ. So in summary, in conclusion, I'd like to go back to our four points. Loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself is the central theme of the New Testament. Number two, we are called to seek the eternal, long-term good of others. Number three, a proper view of myself, who I am before God, is essential. Understanding my brokenness, my redemption through Christ. And lastly, put on character qualities and virtues that reflect Who Jesus is, so that the world around you can see Christ for who He really is. Let's just stand for a word of closing prayer. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity we have to worship and to come before you. And I thank you for your word. I pray that you would help us as we make our decisions this week to think of how they affect other people and that we can work for the long-term or eternal good of other people. Protect us and guide us this week in Jesus name. Amen. You're dismissed. Mm -hmm.